Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's Saturday the 25th of November. I'm Kira Revens and this was a week that saw taxes come down in the autumn statement. A four-day ceasefire in Gaza. Boris bamboozled at the COVID inquiry and bad news for Top Gear fans. Grab a cup of something hot. Put up your feet and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the small seven. It's news, but not the news. A major story this week was the government's autumn statement, a mini-budget presented by Chancellor Jeremy Hunt with the intention of rebooting Rishi's polling numbers and potentially preparing the ground for an election early next year. With UK taxes at their highest level in recorded history, expectation of a tax cut began to build with inflation seemingly under control or at least improving. Rishi was busy on Monday refusing to give any hints on which particular taxes might be cut but highlighting the fact that inflation has now halved to 4.6% in October. He also introduced five new priorities which included reducing debt, rewarding hard work and delivering world-class education. But he says that these are in addition to the existing five pledges. Now that inflation is halved and our growth is stronger, meaning revenues are higher, we can begin the next phase and turn our attention to cutting tax. We will do this in a serious responsible way. There's also a question about what changes the autumn statement may bring to the social welfare system, with Rishi describing the current system as not sustainable. Labour's shadow Treasury Secretary James Murray told Sky's Kay Burley that it's time to put Labour back in charge of the finances. We've had 13 years of low growth. You know, if the economy had been growing over the last 13 years at the same rate it had under the Labour government before 2010, people would be thousands of pounds better off. In advance of the official statement, there was good news for those on the minimum wage as it's set to rise by more than a pound to £11.44 from April next year. And it'll apply to workers aged 21 to 22 for the first time. New Chief Secretary to the Treasury, Laura Trott, made the announcement and says it'll mean over £1,800 per year for full-time workers, in line with the recommendations of the Low Pay Commission. There was good news too as the government borrowed less than expected so far this year too, all of which makes significant tax cuts more likely. But the Assistant General Secretary of the TUC, Kate Bell, insisted it's important to consider the toll that inflation has taken on the cost of living. What we've got to look at is what's happening to living standards and I think most people who've suffered 13 years of real wages falling may welcome a tax cut but they're not going to see that reversing that decades-long decline in living standards. Finally on Wednesday, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt delivered some of the promised tax cuts in the autumn statement, reducing national insurance and adding money into the state pension pot. He also raised the living wage as promised and increased the local housing allowance. There were a number of measures targeted at businesses, including tax reform for the self-employed and new rules to offset capital investments. In the face of global challenges, we've halved inflation, reduced our debt and grown our economy. As a country, we're sticking to a plan that's working and this autumn statement for growth will attract £20 billion additional business investment a year 
in the next decade. The overall tax burden remains high and the business-focused tax cuts will be fueled by a new squeeze on public service spending and new rules around social welfare. The Office for Budget Responsibility says growth will remain slow and inflation above the Bank of England target in 2024. Labour's shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves said working people are still worse off after 13 years of Tory rule. Our country cannot afford five more years of the Conservatives. Mr Speaker, the Ravens are leaving the tower when even Saatchi and Saatchi are saying the Tories are not working. But the Chancellor maintains that his statement has given priority to businesses and that his focus remains on long-term growth. There is going to be a very clear choice as a result of the decisions that I made. There is a very big difference between the Conservative approach and the Labour approach. And why in the end do people vote Conservative elections? It's because they trust us to make decisions for the long-term growth of the economy. Israel's war against Hamas continued this week with UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres warning on Monday that the war in Gaza has seen a killing of civilians that is unparalleled and unprecedented in any conflict he has witnessed since he began his role in 2017. At a press conference he said it's clear that thousands of children have been killed and that a humanitarian ceasefire is an essential first step in getting aid to civilians in Gaza. US President Biden said on Monday that he believed a deal that will see Hamas begin to release hostages was close as the situation in Gaza City remains dire with very little water, food or fuel. With 1.6 million people displaced from their homes and seeking shelter, Richard Brennan, the Regional Emergency Director of the World Health Organization, says the poor sanitation is contributing to huge public health risks. We could be on the precipice of major disease outbreaks and we're trying to address that as best we can but putting in disease control efforts in these overcrowded unsanitary contexts is incredibly difficult. This week saw negotiations ongoing between Israel, Hamas, Qatar as all sides struggled to finalise a deal that would see a four-day ceasefire and a hostage exchange. It was hoped initially that the pause could begin on Thursday but it was postponed for a further 24 hours as Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made it very clear in a press conference on Wednesday evening that the war is not over and it will continue until Israel has achieved complete victory and eliminated Hamas. As details of the deal emerge, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak welcomed the plan to release up to 50 hostages, including women and children. This is something that we have consistently pushed for and is a crucial step towards ending the nightmare for families of those taken hostage in Hamas's terror attack and also addressing the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. The four-day ceasefire finally began on Friday morning with the hostage exchange taking place on Friday afternoon and the pause will also allow up to 300 trucks filled with food, fuel and aid to enter Gaza. Israel has vowed that when the ceasefire ends there will be at least another two months of fighting as they continue with their mission to eliminate Hamas. The UK's new Foreign Secretary Lord David Cameron was in Israel on Thursday where he met with the Israeli Prime Minister and also travelled to Ramallah. They also visited a kibbutz where over 100 people were killed in the October 7th attack. The terrorism, children shot in front of their parents. I've heard things and seen things that obviously I will never forget and it's important we understand that. The COVID inquiry is back in action this week with a focus on the medical and scientific experts who were at the centre of the pandemic. Monday saw the government's chief scientific officer during the pandemic, Sir Patrick Vallance, in the witness box. His diaries have been quoted extensively in the testimony so far, but he said he never intended them to be made public, that they were more of a brain dump than anything else. Uh, These were private thoughts. They were instant reflections from a day. Uh, I had no intention whatsoever of these ever seeing the uh, light of day or me looking at them again. 
His testimony on the Eat Out to Help Out scheme appears to conflict with the then-Chancellor Rishi Sunak's written evidence. As Sir Patrick says, scientists were deeply concerned about the impact of the free meal scheme on transmission of the virus. He testified that he believed the UK had been too slow to act on things like lockdowns and that the leadership in number 10 was inconsistent and indecisive. He also spoke extensively about how difficult it had been to explain scientific concepts to Prime Minister Boris Johnson, describing him as bamboozled by some of the maths behind exponential growth and that briefing Boris was hard work. I think I'm right in saying that the Prime Minister at the time gave up science when he was 15 and I think he'd be the first to admit it wasn't his forte and that he did struggle with some of the concepts and we did need to repeat them often. Tuesday's Chief Medical Officer for England, Sir Chris Whitty, on the stand. He described his attempts to stop politicians using terms like flatten the curve and herd immunity in the early phases of the pandemic, as he felt complete knowledge of health concepts could be a dangerous thing. He was careful to remain tactful and was full of praise for the civil service and emphasised that it was a chaotic time, not just at number 10. It was quite often chaotic, but actually I'd be very doubtful if it wasn't chaotic in multiple other governments. And in fact, that was what... Uh, our fellow advisers from other countries said uh, in many other environments. On Wednesday, the inquiry wrapped up testimony from Chris Whitty and also interviewed former Deputy Chief Medical Officer Jonathan Van Tam. He testified that he and others had received explicit death threats from people who were enraged by the lockdowns and at one point he and his family were advised to leave their home. Chris Whitty was also asked about the Great Barrington Declaration, which he described as another way to propose herd immunity, which just wouldn't have worked in practice. I thought it was flawed at multiple levels. I considered the idea you could properly shield all the right people or identify all the right people and just just to take the case of Mr Johnson the Prime Minister he had what very severe Covid is an example of the kind of person who you would not have been able to identify so the idea that this was a sensible proposition struck me as, as zero. This week has seen more drone attacks from Russia on Kiev and other Ukrainian cities with Ukraine bracing for another wave of attacks on energy targets as winter rolls in. There's still no progress in the US on the next military aid package for Ukraine, so President Zelensky was making sure to thank European allies who've been weighing in with military assistance. Former Lithuanian President Dalia Grybauskete believes NATO isn't doing enough to support Ukraine either. We are talking a lot. We are discussing a lot. We are giving uh, assistance drop by drop for Ukrainians not to sink and not to die. But we are not giving them enough to win. The UN Human Rights Office said this week that more than 10,000 civilians have been killed so far in Russia's war in Ukraine and they've warned that the final death toll may be higher. Most casualties have been caused by Russia's shelling and missile attacks far from the front line. But there was good news on Tuesday as Germany announced a new £1.3 billion military support package, including another Iris T air defence system. Ukrainian President Zelensky spoke to the Sun newspaper on Tuesday and he says that Russian President Putin keeps on trying to assassinate him. I think the first one is very interesting when, when it's the first time. And after that, you are just it's like COVID. First of all, people don't know what to do with it, and it's looking very scary. Then after that, just intelligence just sharing with you detail that one more group came to Ukraine to manage this. So, Russian President Putin spoke by Zoom at a virtual G20 meeting on Wednesday and took a slightly different tone on Russia's war with Ukraine, saying that Russia is ready for peace talks but that Kyiv has shown no interest. He also spoke about the war and put it into a global context that was unusual for a Russian leader. I understand that this war and loss of life are shocking. But is the coup in Ukraine in 2014 not shocking? 
the war of the Kyiv regime against their own people in Donbas, is that shocking? Or the deaths of children in Gaza? Is that not shocking? So to come on the stand at seven, Argentina gets its own Donald Trump and bad news for Top Gear fans. Right after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. Argentina has a new president, but the bad news is he makes Donald Trump look sane and measured. He is Javier Millet, better known as El Loco, and he just won the presidency in a landslide victory. He's a far-right politician in the mode of Donald and former Brazilian president Herr Bolsonaro, both of whom greeted his election with delight. He's relatively new to politics with previous jobs, including performing in a Rolling Stones cover band and appearing as an economic pundit on TV. He's pledged to rescue Argentina from its current economic woes and drive leftists out of politics. If you think differently from them, they will kill you. That's the point. You can't give shit leftists an inch. If you give them an inch, they will use it to destroy you. You don't negotiate with trash, because they will end you. Top Gear first hit the road in 1977 and there have been 34 series of the motoring show since then. It's had various hosts, including the most successful trio, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May, who quit and joined Amazon Prime back in 2015. There was a brief period where Chris Evans and Matt LeBlanc hosted and the most recent hosts were Paddy McGuinness and Freddie Flintoff. Freddie suffered a serious crash last year, which has now led the BBC to decide to officially rest the format. Former host James May says, like any 1970s car, it probably needs a bit of work. It does need a bit of a rethink. It's time for a new format and a new approach to the subject because the subject has not been this interesting, I suspect, since the car was invented. It would be a shame if an organisation like the BBC didn't have something to say about it. Rachel Zegler and Tom Blythe are the stars of the new Hunger Games prequel called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's had good reviews so far and Rachel is pretty busy at the moment as she's about to star in the live-action version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. She also popped up on Jimmy Fallon's show and shared a fact that's going to make anyone over 40 feel really uncomfortable. I was named after Rachel Green from Friends. That is a real fact and nobody ever believes me because they think that there's no way I'm young enough to be named after Friends. But they were going to name me Catherine, but my older sister's Jacqueline, and they thought that might be too confusing for babies to figure out. And so, uh, yeah, my mom loved the way it sounded on Friends for Jennifer Aniston, and then that was my name. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.